Zeitgeist Turkey, coming to you weekly from Istanbul. Your smart guide to the state of Turkey. Welcome to White Guys Turkey. This is Jansu Çamlıbel and I have Jan Selçuk'u with me. Jan? Hi Jansu. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. All good. Just like the past eight months now, coming to you from my house in Istanbul, we now entered the final month of this painful year. The whole world is experiencing the second wave of the COVID-19 outbreak. And last week, finally, the Turkish government decided to release the real number of positive cases here. With more than 30,000 cases per day, Turkey now ranks as the number one country in Europe with the most cases. I believe it's about time, Jan, that we do a new episode on how Turkey has gone from a country which was relatively successful to cope with the challenges of the first wave of the coronavirus outbreak to a country which is failing to get the second wave under control. But for today, Jan and I, we decided that it's definitely worth to revisit the key problem of women in Turkey, violence against women. Last week, we observed the day to combat violence against women on November 25. And on that day, Turkey's women in major cities took to the streets. They were interrupted, stopped by the police, just like they were stopped and even tortured nine months ago during March 8 International Women's Day celebrations. Zeitgeist Turkey's editor, Azra Ceylan, was out there in the field last week and she came back with her own impressions from Kadıköy protests. And today, first time ever, she is with us in front of a microphone. Azra, it's great to have you on mic today. Are you excited? I'm so excited to be on the other side with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there is no need to be nervous. You know the drill. Maybe you can just think as if you are talking to your mom and dad on the phone together. <laughs> oh, maybe a little more formal because you are my boss. Right. Uh, <laughs> so basically, the women gathered there in Kadikoy to mark this day, November 25th, but it also happened to be a couple days after a pretty controversial statement by the interior minister. But these things are very common. There's something controversial being said about women in Turkey almost every day. I'm sorry to interrupt, but why don't you remind our audience what uh, interior minister Suleyman Soylu had told. The irony is that he was intending to say something nice about women, but it turned out quite the opposite. Yes, so he was trying to say something nice about women. On November 23rd, he said something along the lines of, where did all this male violence come from? This is shameful. It's not an exact translation because the Turkish word doesn't translate exactly, but he basically said, it's shameful, it's a shame to do violence against women. Then women obviously were very, they were bothered by the statement because they were rightfully saying that 
violence against women isn't just shameful or just a shame, it's actually a crime. And to say something like this in a country where femicides happen almost every single day was almost insulting on the part of the interior minister. The next day, in an attempt to fix this, he said, well, men shouldn't lose their temper and hit women. Instead, they should hit themselves, which again, doesn't even combat the issue of violence, it just redirects it. So it was, it was a terrible situation. So the November 25th meeting and the protest came only days after this. So there was a lot of talk about the government and this particular statement by the interior minister. But women overall, I would say that they were protesting the Turkish state's stance against violence against women because the Turkish judiciary are reluctant to prosecute crimes against women, including femicides, and we can talk more about that in detail, but it's quite obvious when you look at different lawsuits. Why don't we turn to John at this point? Because I know violence against women and women rights have been on their agenda for some time now. And every time he shares the data, I'm really puzzled about the level of ignorance. So maybe John has some fresh data. Needless to say, we take this issue very seriously and we keep revisiting the issue of women's rights and uh, violence against women in our polls. And the last wave we did was in September 2020. And I'd like to share with you two results. So we asked two questions. First, which of the following do you think is the main reason why violence against women is rising in Turkey? 57% said lack of appropriate punishments, which I find you know, rather a good result. Uh, because, you know, Turkey has a, both the legal system and uh, the society has a long history of sweeping things uh, under the rug, so to speak, uh, when it comes to issues of women violence or child abuse. So I think this is, this is a positive result, rather. The second one, and I think it's very relevant to the times that we're going through, is 27% said worsening living conditions and uh, rising tens- tensions in the household. And I think particularly this pandemic and the the restrictions brought on social life during this pandemic since March 2020 has definitely increased tensions in the household, but also obviously it worsened the living conditions. So I think that's an additional stress factor. Another result is that 12% said violence against women has always been an issue. However, it is more visible in today's world. So I think... This sort of contributes to what I said at the beginning. Now it's more difficult to sweep it under the rug because of information technologies and everyone owning a smartphone. Another result, which I find important, is results to the question, do you think the justice system in Turkey is protective of women? So 74% of the respondents said no, which is a very uh, positive results in my view. When we look at the gender breakdown, 68-69% of the male uh, respondents said no, whereas 80% of the female respondents said no. So obviously women are more sensitive to the issue. One positive result is that the younger respondents seem to answer no more often than older respondents. So this means that 
there's a generational shift, generational change in the way younger generations think about violence against women and the role of the justice system in, in protecting women. Right. Asra, it's important that John highlighted the difference of perceptions between generations. Were there more young people in the streets or was it like a mixed crowd? Who were the women on the streets? I actually wanted to mention something about this. I think the women's movement in Turkey in general is quite intersectional. It's interracial, definitely. It includes women of all different social statuses. But I would say that the majority of the crowd on the streets was younger women. That's mm-hmm. not to say older women weren't there, because I do think that older generations in Turkey have done so much for the feminist movement. But the people on the street, at least, were younger. That, of course, has something to do with the fact that it is a pandemic and older generations are higher risk groups. So maybe they wanted to avoid getting in the crowds. But the young women were definitely not afraid of that. And one more thing about the pandemic, actually, there was a lot of police officers. I mean, so many. I feel like there were at least as many police officers as there were women. But I'm not sure that's entirely about the pandemic. That's probably more about the government's policies on enforcing the law. But it didn't get to a point which it sometimes does, where police have to physically, you know, break up the meetings. It didn't happen in Kadikar, but it happened in Taksim, which is just across the Bosphorus from Kadikar. Mm-hmm. There was a very small group of women who wanted to read a press statement in Taksim Square, which is Istanbul's most famous spot, possibly, where the Gezi protests happened, where Gezi Park is located. And it's downtown for our audience who are not familiar. And 10 women wanted to read a small press statement in Taksim Square. And they marched up to the square, but the police wouldn't allow them to actually walk onto the square. They had to wait at the entrance. I think at this point, it's important to remind also the audience that the ban on the Taksim Square for protests is not limited to women. And the problem with the Taksim Square has a lot to do with, as you mentioned, with the Gezi protests of 2013, because it has been an iconic symbol of the anti-government protests in Turkey, anti-AKP protests in Turkey. And since that day, whoever the groups, whoever the opposition groups are, the government doesn't let the Taksim Square to be open to protests. Maybe one other thing to remind the audience is that this ban is totally unconstitutional. Exactly. In the sense that it goes against the right to convene and and protest against the freedom of speech. So this is a unconstitutional ban that's going on for uh, Taksim Square. was the the hot topic over the course of the summer in Turkey. As you know, there was talk in the ruling Justice and Development Party 
that they were considering to withdraw Turkey from the convention. And when we say Istanbul Convention, we should also remind that it's a key piece of legislation that protects women's rights and minority rights in Turkey. And the reason, of course, according to the political gossip, that the reason why the government and President Erdogan was considering withdrawal had a lot to do with religious sects, Islamist religious sects in Turkey. But I think the government successfully managed to bring it down from the agenda without saying too much, especially after pious woman within the AKP, within his party, and the key women's NGO that is composed of members of the AKP, including President Erdogan's daughter, Sumeya Erdogan, openly opposed the withdrawal from the convention. So we haven't been hearing a lot from the government side about the withdrawal in the last couple of months, but Istanbul Convention is still a number one priority for the women movement in Turkey. Absolutely, John. So you're absolutely right. I think it's still it's still a priority for the women's movement. This is the piece of legislation Council of Europe piece of legislation. So it's an international document, but it is also the basis for Turkish legislation that protects women. So Bill 6284, which is a Turkish piece of legislation, was only written because Turkey is a signatory of the Istanbul Convention. So the Istanbul Convention mandates that signatory countries take the necessary measures legally to protect the rights of women and to protect children against domestic violence as well. So the women at the protest, one of the slogans that kept coming up was Istanbul Convention Saves Lives, which was very common over the summer when the government was talking about withdrawing from the convention. This slogan came up and we've been seeing it everywhere. Maybe something that was different at this protest was since, like you said, the government has sort of pushed it to the back burner recently, the withdrawal, I mean, women were talking about how Istanbul Convention and Bill 6284, the Turkish piece of legislation, actually need to be enforced because this is a huge problem that we keep coming up against in pretty much all areas of the law where we might have the necessary or, let's say, adequate legislation, but they're not enforced properly. The judiciary, like I said before, are so lenient towards crimes against women. I mean, as a news editor at Duvar English, every single week we write stories about femicides, about attacks on women, where the women either tried to take legal measures to protect themselves, or actually did take measures to protect themselves, but the the restraining order wasn't enforced properly. There was even a story I remember on October 27th, a woman named Bushra Gizan was killed on her way back from the police station from filing a restraining order. The man who she filed the restraining order against killed her and her mother and then killed himself. This is what impunity creates is just chaos and destruction overall for everybody involved, not even just the women in this case. I think this was one of the key things that the women were protesting is impunity against assailants because there are also so many cases where legislation is ongoing and the suspects haven't been held accountable or the people who we know committed the crimes haven't been held accountable. I mean, there's the case of Elena Chukur, who was a young woman, and she was killed. And then video of 
her boyfriend beating her up surfaced. So there was this piece of evidence that he had been violent with her prior to her death. And then this man is walking free today. And he even recently, a couple days ago, recorded a video telling all the people who were upset by his release that they should just go crazy because look at him, he's out and free and doing so well. I mean, this is, like I said, this is what impunity creates. Exactly. In July, we asked whether if Turkey should withdraw from the convention. 9% said yes, 40% said no, and a whopping 52% said, I don't know what that is. If 52% of the population doesn't know what it is, then it is very highly unlikely that you know, there's a demand from the larger sections of the society to withdraw from the convention. And I think the government realized this, particularly also when opposing voices were raised from within their own ranks. And actually, with this result, I you know, advocated in many places that the opposition municipalities should take this issue on board and create awareness campaigns. You know, over the summer and still, we see billboards around uh, Istanbul which inform about the benefits of Istanbul Convention. But uh, for today, we are coming to a close. So I would like to get uh, your final remarks, Azra, anything that you might want to add. There's something very important to say about the women's movement in Turkey. They're dealing with a really, really grim scenario. I mean, according to the We Will Stop Femicides platform, there was an average 25 femicides each month this year. So from January 2020 to November 2020, there was an average of 25 femicides every month. So that's to say that a woman in Turkey gets killed almost every single day. And I just want to remind our audience that these are just the ones that get reported and there's a lot of them that don't. But even despite the situation, the one thing that really struck me at the protest was the resilience and the joy that these women are able to maintain throughout all of this, throughout their fight against injustice, a fight with the patriarchy, call it what you will, but there is a true sense of joy. These women were singing, they were playing instruments, they were, even the slogans, some of them sounded like songs. So no matter how grim or how depressing the scenario is, the women's movement in Turkey, I think, will be successful because they know how to stay happy and joyful. Azra, I believe um, this is one of the leading moments that will finally eventually unite turkey i believe that as you said this, uh, this is a biracial moment it has evolved in decades so yes it's a very grim situation we are facing and we are losing a woman almost every day as you mentioned but we should keep talking about this we should highlight the perpetrators we should highlight the inefficient government policies in tackling the problem Thank you so much for Thank getting out so there. And, uh, I have last words as well, John, so if I Yeah, may. of course. I'll, I was just coming back to you, John. Please. Sorry. I uh, was a little impatient there. Look, I agree with uh, what you just said, and I do believe that the future is definitely female. I think going forward, any political movement that wants to succeed in the future, and I'm not talking about 100 years from now, 
has to take these issues very seriously and not on the margins, but really make these a driving force of their political movement. So anyone who excludes this or fails to see this will be outed from politics. While the picture seems grim, as Azra remarked, I do believe there is much room for hope.